Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. You're really going to enjoy today's conversation. I'm delighted to be speaking with the founder and CEO of the amazing Workology, Jessica Miller-Murrell. Jessica has created the Workology community from nothing, which now reaches 600,000 HR and workplace leaders each month with the Workology podcast, weekly newsletters, and the Workology website, which features HR certification training, articles, courses, and much more. So Jessica, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Ben. I'm so excited. It's, it's nice to do a podcast other than my own. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll have to tell us about it. But firstly, whereabouts are you based? I Right now I'm in North Dallas working remotely this week while my daughter's at swim camp, but home is Austin, Texas. Well, let's dive in. I'm really looking forward to learning about Workology. So can you go back to the beginning? How and why did you start Workology? I started a blog in 2005 to build a funnel or at the time talk to fill positions at my company. I was uh, recruiting for inside and outside sales reps and then the supporting people that helped them. And they kept the company I was working at kept changing our headcount numbers. Every quarter, there would be this sudden rush for 250 or 500 new people. And then there would be this crazy fire drill. So I was like, how can I build a funnel of people so that I already had like 75 people in the pipeline before they made the change. And so that's really what started the blog. And then it kind of transitioned during the recession. It went viral. And I thought maybe there's a business to this blogging thing. It's funny that my own business started with a blog as well. So I used to be an HR consultant and I spent thousands and thousands of dollars getting a big fancy website built, which then brought in no customers, no clients. So, you know, you do the natural freak out thing. And then I started blogging and all this stuff. And yeah, and that's all I do now is marketing um, for the HR company. So it's, it's for people listening, a blog, yes, times are different and there's a lot more audio visual stuff going on, but blogs are so powerful, but you're taking it so much further now. What does Workology do and who does it help? So we provide resources, information, and support for primarily HR leaders and then managers. And I started, I left corporate as an HR director and really felt like we needed to provide resources to the future me and also my boss, because they didn't know what the heck I was doing with Twitter and social media and all these things. They were really scared of it. Actually, I got fired from my job because of my blog. And so I set on this mission to help educate my boss and people like my boss, not to be fearful of technology and the tools. And then it kind of evolved into just resources, information and support for the HR community and then workplace leaders. Uh, we we have a, an amazing newsletter with over 300,000 subscribers. We have our podcast, which I've been doing for going on seven years. And then we have our blog, of course, but then uh, we also have courses and memberships for HR and workplace leaders. So they can get information support and then personal and professional development. Nice. And sorry, we have to go back. You got fired for writing a blog. Tell me about that. 
they were just scared. We had a, uh, everybody, the red people knew what I was doing, like, or so I thought anyways, like my boss knew and my boss's boss. And then the, the, the division that I supported, but uh, we had a EEOC charge of discrimination in one of our offices. And I had done the initial investigation. And so you have to respond back to the government agency uh, with the EEOC. And so the attorney came into the office to talk to me and we had a nice conversation. I had all my documentation. We were we were mm-hmm. not in the wrong. And I, he said to me, is there anything else I should know about you? And if we had to put you on the stand or deposition or whatever. And I said, well, I have a blog about the job search. And the look on his face was pretty much the end of my wow. HR career. Wow. What an idiot. That's it, You know what? I have found like this was a, a happy accident. It gave me the push to go to become an mm-hmm. entrepreneur. And I don't know if I ever would have done it because it entrepreneurialism is not an easy thing for those of us who are working in that right now, you know, you have to be able to ebb and flow and flex and be agile. And um, I kind of just like being one of those pretendpreneurs, right? The ones that are kind of like, oh yeah, I kind of have a business, but I'm still, yeah. yeah, I'm still doing these other things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And oh, that's uh, good for you. I love that. And what, what kind of courses have you got going on there and how do you work out what you um, should be releasing and updating and all that sort of thing? Uh, so we have a few different that that we focus on. Um, my original course is called Upskill HR, and it's a membership for HR professionals to grow and develop. And, and we have webinars and resources on demand. There's nearly 100. And then they have access to live training a couple times a month and just a community. So that's a, a ongoing membership. And then we're also focused in the HR certification prep space. So if you're looking for HRCI or SHRM certification, we have different resources for you. A lot of them are on demand. We have some live components with online, like a hybrid model. And then our last training, which is uh, relatively new, is a new manager training. So we have a 12-week manager training program that new managers under three years can go through. Yeah, that's such a huge market. It's it's, a, it's only going to grow, I imagine. So you've got such a huge audience and 300,000 in the newsletter, all that sort of thing. Can you share your advice on how you attract new community members and customers and any tips for others? So a lot of our work uh, too, outside of courses and content is in the lead generation space or our sponsor space. So we we will work with consultants or HR technology companies or different individuals that want to tap into our community to get visibility. But when it comes to great content and great information to attract people, it's really important for it to be meaningful. Like it can't just be like everybody else's. So there has to be a really good story behind it. I'm focused on resources from the practitioner point of view, because we want to hear from others like us who have done awesome things or uh, beat the odds or generated or had success. So that's kind of where we focus are, and they're kind of like no nonsense, nonsense resources. For example, uh, we have a resource we're working on right now that's all about pronouns. And so it's the preferred pronoun guide for managers. And we'll have that available as either part of our course uh, or for a future course or an available free download to attract those people to us. That's very good. With the membership itself, how does it work? Yeah, with the monthly recurring membership, it's really great because it's a $39 charge for me every month. And so, you know, people can cancel at any time unless they pay for the annual subscription. But it's nice because money's coming in every single month for me and um, I have to sell it once and then we just keep doing what we're doing. And so it's complete. It's a scalable process. Now, uh, it 
has benefited us with COVID because I already had all these digital things that we were doing. I mean, we launched our HR certification prep class program two years, over two years ago. And we've had a uh, upskill HR, like different iterations of it for about five years. So when COVID happened, I was already prepped and primed for that kind of work, but we had just sort of went all in. So obviously no in-person things. And then I've just focused on more digital content, doing the things that I already know how to do and just building on that. Got it. People often have a, uh, an internal debate about course versus membership. And so you went with against both, but on the membership side of things, you could, in theory, roll some of those things up as to courses. So what made you go with a membership? Was it that recurring factor or something else? The membership is reoccurring, which which I like that aspect. The other uh, courses that we have are really like once you complete your HR certification exam, you move on to recertification or personal development. So they kind of feed each other, but I didn't feel like, like we have an audio only course for HR certification prep. It's called ACE HR audio, and it's just seven and a half hours just, but it's seven and a half hours of audio resources to help you prepare for your HR certification exam. And that's not something that I feel like we should offer like a, a monthly membership for. So we just made it $39. They buy it once they have access to it for 12 months. And then once they pass their exam, which whatever resource of ours they use, they can move into the membership. And then um, there's different components. We have an executive coaching um, offering that we have uh, through those things as well. That's brilliant. And so how do you actually work out what gets produced and who produces it? I'm assuming you don't sit there and write every course, every blog post, every podcast. Uh, I I used to, right? Like uh, I used to do all those things and we have a team of 11. And so we do everything in-house outside of podcast editing. So I have somebody I've worked with for six years that are are really since the podcast launched that that continues to work with us. But I have a team of video editors and we have a writer that works full-time on our team and then um, different assistants and uh, project managers that, that help us make all those things. Normally, like I'm kind of the idea behind it, or somebody gives me an idea, like a student's like, hey, I need practice test questions for my HR exam. Why don't you have those? And I'm like, oh, this is a new product. So then we get started and start writing and building. Sometimes it's me uh, making practice test questions. And then my team kind of puts together all the other pieces. I know how to do most of those things, but I've had to start to let go of those things so that we could scale effectively. Oh, that's brilliant because many people would call themselves CEO or president, but that's in name only, but it does sound like you've stepped back and taken more of a strategic and, and you get your hands into a few things that you find interesting, but really you're sort of leading the operation. It's a hard shift to be able mm. to do that because when you're a control freak, I don't know if you are, but I am, you want to do all the things, but there's only so many hours in the day and really like making a graphic for our podcast is not the best value add use of my time. The best value add use of my time is talking to you mm. or talking to a client or having a sales call. And so making the shift to be able to do that was, it was a hard transition. Yeah, it's great advice though that to to try and take that that move. So, what's your advice when it comes to growing a successful HR business? Because many listeners will either be running or looking to launch their own business and or running an HR tech business. So, what's your advice? The key is to really identify who your audience is and yeah. who you're going to be selling to. And and we do that a number of different ways. A lot of times it's talking to current customers, right? Or if you haven't, if you don't have any customers yet, like 
honing in on exactly the type of product that you want to sell and having conversations with them, focus groups, one-on-ones, coffee conversations, whatever. I like to use my podcast as a way to do that, right? So we have a weekly podcast and I have a couple different like themes that we we have for guests. And one of them is a CHRO series. So we have a podcast that just talks to, or a series that talks to just chief human resources officers, which are the ideal folks for like our new manager training or mm. some of our other offerings. And so we just reach out to them and say, Hey, come on the podcast. Here's what we got. And it allows me to be dialed in to exactly what they need. And uh, then they get to talk about what they're working on. So it's kind of a win win. And then I'm building those relationships. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully just to have more people like that I'm in contact with, but also having a pipeline of people to purchase future courses, memberships or, or different things. Absolutely. So for people listening to this couple of things, one is if you know a good CHRO to refer to the show, definitely get in touch with the team there at Workology. Uh, and secondly, yeah, the relationship aspect to a podcast, it's so powerful because what you hear is the recording with the, the music on and off, but you know, there are conversations on either side and prep and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's excellent advice. So you have such a fascinating position. You see so much going on. You've even got your series with the CHROs, as you mentioned. What do you think the future holds for HR in the world of work and what should listeners do about it? Well, I am really excited about the future of HR. I, I think that if anything good has come out of this pandemic, there has been an increased focus on the importance of the human resource professional in the business. We do truly have to be the human capital leaders of the of the organization and that trusted advisor for the executive team. So for that, I'm I'm really excited about. I I think for the future of the industry, I want HR people to be more strategic in their decision-making and thinking about the business Mm -hmm. and more as like a revenue center versus the cost center. There's some changes uh, globally that I'm really excited about. Um, In the U.S. anyway, there's a an increased focus on publicly traded companies by the, the Securities and Exchange Commission that is saying like, you need to include human capital metrics in your annual yeah, reporting. Yeah. And that's already happening also too globally. Um, we did a podcast interview with the CHRO of um, DWS and um, they are one of the first companies that is uh, publicly traded to have in their earnings report a whole host of human capital metrics. And they're really dialed into the uh, ESG side of things. So I'm really excited about that. But when you talk to some of these senior HR professionals at these large companies that are publicly traded versus small business HR person of a 200 person company, I feel like they're speaking a different language. So the small person HR really needs to educate themselves in the business uh, metrics and reporting side to be able to, to move into that uh, new role, which I, I see transitioning down from the large public traded companies to the uh, mid-size and then eventually small HR. I'm imagining that some of the conversations you have in the CHRO series, that whole theme of getting a seat on the board, you know, we've got to get a seat at the table. What advice have you heard from those sort of people for HR practitioners who are in-house still? 
to get a seat at the table, you need to understand the business uh, rule number one, and maybe not coming at it from an HR point of view, but coming out of it from a point of view as a true like executive partner. So understanding operationally what's happening, understanding the the fight, the financials is is really incredibly important and, and having that common language with them so that you can talk about the impact that HR makes. It's not just about reducing turnover. It's about driving revenue. I was talking to someone this morning where recording a podcast on second chance hiring, which is hiring for people with uh, felony or criminal convictions. And she was telling me, her name's Sherry Garcia, that they have been able to reduce turnover as much as 50% with the people that they brought in, who were a lot of them temp to hire into the organization with these uh, criminal backgrounds. And the story for me is 50% turnover, that sounds great, but what's the number behind it? So if, if the the cost of turnover is, let's say, $10,000 and you have um, reduced turnover by 50 people. Well, that is a half million dollar yeah. value add that HR has made. And that is what our CEO and our executive team need to hear. Not turnover has reduced by 50%. It's we have saved you $500,000 on the bottom line. And this is an estimated amount of, you know, a percentage of margin that we are contributing to the business. And that is where that is where HR really um, can make an impact. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just thinking back to my first ever HR manager job and I, I set up a balanced scorecard. I think two of them were just non-HR related at all. One was the all injury frequency rate because it was a manufacturing business. So safety was a big thing. And obviously that feeds into quality of production and stuff like that. And then the other one was, I think, throughput or productivity, some sort of productivity measure. Because if you can upskill your people and get them performing well and all that kind of stuff, it'll feed through. So, um, yeah, I, I really like that. I, I appreciate that thought. So to wrap things up, two things. How should listeners walk away remembering Workology and what it offers? And then also, could you share a few business growth resources, such as books and websites, et cetera, that people could check out? Absolutely. So Workology is a, a HR and workplace destination. We're all about resources information to up level and upskill the HR and, and workplace profession. So uh, I also, like I said, we, we do, we have such a great community of people and I do have partners that are sponsor partners. So it's a great way to, to get some brand awareness, but also drive some lead gen in, in your business too. So if you're looking for those things, uh, feel free to, to connect with me. And we have our media kit over on our website too. So it's really easy to be able to, mm. to see and learn more about who our audience is, uh, primarily North America, I will say, but uh, that is changing every single day. As far as resources, I have been really honed in on, on books. I'm an audiobook nerd right now. I have <laughs> Audible. So um, I'm finishing up a new book called Just Work. And it's the second book from an author. Um, her name's Kim Scott. She's the author of Radical Candor. And it talks about diversity, equity, and inclusion and how workplace leaders can have more of a DEI mindset, which I am really appreciating. And she comes at it from a place of being a white woman over 40. Um, who, you know, in some places is the minority, but really it, it's a place of privilege and how we as leaders can be able to work together. And if you are the majority, how you can help be an ally, which I think is, is incredibly yeah. important. Yeah, so 
at Just Works by, by Kim Scott. Um, I'm also uh, really into the neuro-linguistic programming. I've been, I'm NLP certified. So I'm doing a lot of habit books and how to change habits and mindset. And uh, it's uh, John Dugard. He has a couple different books about habit change that are, that are really impactful. Um, as far as other resources uh, for HR, I would say one of my favorite, favorite writers, authors, speakers, and this is uh, Suzanne Lucas. She's the evil HR lady. Yeah, yes. She's awesome. She has a really good Facebook group too. So if you can get into the Facebook group, you want to dial into what your audience, if you're selling to HR is saying, this is a private community that Suzanne has. And people ask all the questions, good and bad. Some of it is anonymous, but it's a great way for you to have a better understanding of who your customer is if you're selling to that HR space. So those are the three resources that I'd recommend you checking out. I love it. Really good advice. And yeah, just to pick up on that point about listening to the community and understanding what your clients or customers would potentially want. I think it's great. Yeah. There's so many opportunities in Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, and things like that. I've even heard of some businesses where they're trying to work out what to produce in courses and stuff like that to go onto Amazon and look at reviews, see what people like, dislike, all that kind of stuff. So that, but you even mentioned coffee meetings, just getting on the phone, all sorts of stuff. So big piece of advice there is make sure you try and understand what people want because otherwise you can go down the wrong path and you're wasting your time. So, yeah. Um, and you, you did mention earlier in that about, you know, the lead gen and getting business, your HR business uh, in front of other HR professionals and potential clients. So um, you mentioned a media kit. So if you don't know what a media kit is, go to the Workology website. The media kit will explain how you could either get on there as a sponsor or explore different ways of putting your business in front of your ideal clients. Is that a fair enough summary? It is. And, and, and too, I, I think if you're thinking about working with influencers or other like digital uh, companies like myself, resources, it's also a good thing to educate yourself on that and, and think about uh, them not just as influencers. And I use air quotes when I say influence, because I hate that word. <laughs> I'm, I'm a business and I'm, I'm more than just a single person. We have a team of 11 people that are creating content, building resources, having conversations with uh, the HR and workplace community. So a media kit kind of gives you an idea of who their audience is, the, the target company size, the, you know, background, all those things. And it helps you understand as you're building out your marketing or sales plan or strategy what, um, who those people are. I have seen a lot of companies come in that maybe they're trying to enter a market or they're new, get funding. They throw a lot of money around in the wrong places. So, uh, if you're a CEO, uh, I would say, you know, whoever you choose for your marketing, it's really critical that, that they have a familiarity and understanding with, uh, whatever, whoever the people are, the, the movers and shakers, uh, in those communities within HR that they want to engage. Absolutely. And can you just remind listeners of the website address? Oh, it's pretty easy. It's workology.com. You just head on over there and uh, take a look at our resources. I am an, I am a, I don't know, content machine. We have over (laughs) 8,000 blog published blog posts and resources on the website uh, inside of our learning management and our learning community called learn. We have, I don't know, 150 plus courses that are available for people to take advantage of in, in different areas. So I'm all about the resources and support. It's a passion. It's an obsession. And um, if you have an idea or you want want to chat, uh, my contact information is on the website too. 
Excellent. Well, Jessica, thank you very much for sharing your advice, your insights, and I wish you all the best for Workology. It's great to meet you, Ben. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.